Hello, Cathedral family. God is good. And all the time. As we team together with the county to fight the spread of the coronavirus, we are coming to you online. This is Cathedral anywhere. Thousands of people around the Bay Area, even around the world, are all linking together to worship God. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And we are expecting God to show up in an extraordinary way. You know, these are extraordinary times and we have to take extraordinary measures. We serve an extraordinary God, amen. And we are expecting God to show up in an extraordinary way. So get your faith up. This is the year to be courageous. Instead of turning our hearts to worry, we're turning our hearts to worship. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So let's give God praise as Pastor Vaughn leads us. Let's sing together. Who am I that the highest king would welcome? I was lost, but he brought me Oh, his love for me Oh, his love for me Who the sun sets free Oh, his free and I'm a child of God Yes, I am He alas, he has ransomed While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free. Oh, is free and I'm a child of God. Yes, I
shout hallelujah. Welcome everybody. This is Cathedral of Faith. We're going to continue to worship, Lord. We're going to declare something in the midst of a season where things may be changing a bit. We're going to read something that never changes, God's Word. In Psalms 91, it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, a 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. Yes, thanks be to God. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If you feel comfortable to do so, we're just going to extend our hands heavenward as a posture of our inward position. Those who are watching online, those who are in your rooms, maybe this is a moment of surrender. Maybe this is a moment of prayer. Maybe this is a moment of connection with God in the midst of chaos. This is the shelter of the Almighty. God, we call upon your name and we thank you, Lord, that as seasons change, you remain. Though heaven and earth may shift, may turn, may fall away, your word shall remain. So, Father, we look for that constant. We look for that hope. We look for that firm foundation. We reach for it. We stand upon it. We put our faith upon this. And we pray, Lord, your blessing over your people, every, every family, Lord, every uh, official, every scientist, every individual that's trying to serve the nation and the world, we pray your blessing. I pray that they would be instruments in your hand. Also, thank you for this great church, those who have been connected, those who have found community here. We just pray, Lord, that this would even thrust us into a greater season than we've ever seen before. We believe, God, that you are with us and that when we call upon your name, you don't just hear us, you answer us. And we give thanks for that, that you are the thing that never changes in our life. You are our North Star. You are our firm foundation today. So we love you and we declare this in song and in worship. And we bless the name of the Lord and we pray that your name would be lifted high. And all of God's people shouted in this moment. Amen and amen. Somebody just shout hallelujah.
this together. My hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Sing that again. My hope is built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest rain
dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless I stand before the In this moment, we just begin to lift up our praise. We begin to lift up our, our hands. We begin to lift up a sound of thanksgiving, a sound of gratitude. Father God, we declare that our faith is built on this firm foundation. We trust you above all things, seen and unseen, God. We love you, God. We declare our faith in you in this moment. We love you, God. Say Christ alone. Christ alone. Cornerstone, yeah. weak made strong in the Savior's land. Oh, he is Lord, Lord of all. Yes, see Christ the
my trust in you, Jesus. I will put my trust in your name alone. And I will love in Christ alone. Last time, say Christ alone. Say, say Christ. Christ alone, declaration we've just made I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken there are so many reasons out there why the enemy might want you to be shaken but the number one reason that we can stand firm is Christ is that cornerstone and even though we're not in the same room worshiping we are worshiping the same God who is with you, who is with us, who wants to work in you. He's not surprised by what's going on. He's not confused by what's going on. He's ready to work in you. And I wanna speak that over you in your household right now. Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, let your banner of peace be over every household. You know everything that's going on in every family right now. Some are struggling with where this is going financially. Some are struggling with where this is going health-wise. Some are confused about the future, but I thank you that we can put our trust in you and you alone. You are with us. And so, Lord, I pray that in the course of this time, as we hear from you, as Pastor Ken brings this powerful word to us, that we will realize we will not be shaken by this. You know what's going on. You're in control and you're at work in every household right now. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you have all power. Thank you that you're the healer. Thank you that you're all wise and you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise for his faithfulness. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us there in your home. Whether you've been part of Cathedral for many years or whether this is your first time to join us, thank you for being part of us. And I encourage you, once you've watched this, you can post it on your Facebook page. You can send an email to friends with links because this is a moment for the church to rise up and do greater works than ever before. We've been in a year in which God has declared over us, be strong and courageous. We are ready for this spiritually because God has always been looking for a people here on earth who would demonstrate what it's like in heaven. And in this moment, we as people of faith, at Cathedral of Faith, not Cathedral of Fear, we worship at the altar of faith because we know that God is in control. He's at work on our behalf and we can trust him in this moment. So I encourage you there among your family to let faith rise up in this moment as we worship the Lord and call on his name together. You know, you don't have to go very far in the Bible 
the very first chapter to see what God does in moments like this. It says, in the beginning, there was chaos, and the Spirit of God was hovering over that chaos. And when he did, all of a sudden, beauty came. The seven days of creation come after that moment of chaos. And that's when God does his best work. When things seem chaotic and confusing, the Spirit of God is hovering just like he did in the beginning of creation. He's hovering right now over your house, over this moment, over this season on the earth. And something beautiful is in God's heart that he wants to come out of this. And so that's why, even though we're practicing social isolation, Resist spiritual isolation. You might be getting updates from the needy about who's got what and what's happening when, but that's why it's important for you to tune in with us so you can get spiritual updates and know the word of the Lord, hear what God's saying, and have the peace in your household that God wants for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're just believing that to be true. And as a result, I have four things I'm going to ask you to do. It's my ABCs. A, what number one, is ask God in prayer. Ask him for wisdom, ask him for healing, pray for those who are sick, pray for those who are struggling financially, pray for wisdom for our leadership here at Cathedral as well as in our government and around the world. So number one, A, is ask God in prayer. That's the first thing we can do, our first line of defense. Second of all is B, be wise. We need to wash our hands. And last week I talked to you about singing, Yes, Jesus Loves Me Twice. That gives you a chance to not only take care of germs, but to take care of fear so that faith can rise up inside of you, that you will be wise in the decisions you're made. And that's why we're doing this. Instead of having us all gather, we want you to be wise and keep you safe. So A, ask God. B, be wise. And C, connect. I know they're talking about social isolation, but connect with others. Call them on the phone. Yeah, Facebook and texting is good, but it's good to call each other, hear each other's voices, encourage people, connect with your neighbors, see if there's someone you can serve and something you can do. The church gets to rise up and shine in this moment like never before. In fact, that's the first thing that happened in creation. The first day was let there be light, and we're praying that the light of God's scripture will work in us that could really be true in Ephesians that says God can do anything far more than we can ask or imagine in our wildest dreams. So believe for that in your life. So we got A, ask in prayer. B, be wise. C, connect with others. And D, demonstrate trust. And here's how you do that. In this moment of bringing our tithes and offerings to the Lord, you're recognizing who's the source of all things. We demonstrate trust because ministries will happen here. We'll continue to feed the most vulnerable in our community. We have missionaries who will continue the work. We'll continue ministries here. And so you demonstrate trust in this moment by bringing your tithes and offerings. In fact, at the bottom of the screen, you'll see a telephone number that you can text to. And it gives you an opportunity to give. You could also go to your Cathedral of Faith account. You can drop by the office this week. You can mail it in. We're believing that as you demonstrate trust in this moment of giving, God's going to work in great ways. So ask in prayer, in faith, be wise, connect with others, and demonstrate trust. And I want to speak God's blessing on you in this moment. Heavenly Father, thank you. You're here in every household. You're with all of us. Increase our faith. 
In this moment, as we demonstrate trust by giving, we acknowledge you're the healer. You're the source of all cures. You're the source of all wisdom. You're the source of all things. You have what we need in this moment. And so we build our lives on you, knowing who we are. We are your children who you love and care for. Again, just put peace as the banner over every household. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're going to declare again a powerful truth. In fact, I want you to say it after me. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Let's declare that in song. Who the sun sets free, all is free I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, in my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, say, in my father's house, there's a place. Cathedral family. It's great to have you with us this weekend. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thanks so much for joining with us. We, we've been walking through a prayer, a prayer that you can really live on and live by. There's all kinds of prayers that you can learn. When I was young, I, I learned this prayer. I learned now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Maybe you learned that too, and that's a good prayer to learn. But the best prayer that you can give to your kids or your grandkids is the prayer that we are learning to pray. Lead the way. Show them how. We're asking Jesus to be our prayer coach, and so I invite you once more right there in your home to read this prayer out loud together. Would you say it with me? Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can we give God praise for his word? Amen. Thank you, God, for your word. When it comes to this prayer, we've been asking Jesus to be our prayer coach because we're all still learning. No matter how long we've been praying this, we are all still learning. I heard about some kids who were learning the Lord's Prayer. And one of the kids, a 40-year-old, they put it this way. Our Father 
who does art in heaven? Harold is your name. Another child who is three, she prayed this. She said, God, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from email. Well, I'm going to borrow that from her. I'm going to start using that myself. And then there was one other little boy. He's four years old. And and he said, when he got to this one line, he said, forgive us our trash as we forgive those who have put trash in our baskets. (laughs) When it comes to the Lord's Prayer, especially that line that that four-year-old prayed, we're all still learning. Because we all know what it is for someone to put trash in our baskets. And I want to talk to you for the next few moments about how you can heal the hurts that you don't deserve. I was reading a a, a post, a recent post, by uh, an actor whose name is Chris Pratt. And him and his wife, she's, she's actually written a book called The Gift of Forgiveness. And the book carries 22 stories of people who've been able to overcome the hurts and the pains and the wounds of the past And he is so proud of her for writing that book. It's just come out. It's just been released. And in his post, at the end, he wrote something that I thought was very interesting. It says, I pray this book is the beginning of a healing movement in this country and around the world. Can everybody say amen to that? See, forgiveness has the power to heal the hurts that we don't deserve. But it takes real courage. It does take courage to pray this part of the prayer. But this is the year to be courageous. So if you dare, I invite you to courageously say this line again with me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 reads this way. Say it with me. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Another translation puts it this way. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Whereas the little boy said, forgive us our trash as we forgive those who have put trash in our baskets. And they have. If we take just a moment and we think about the past, we all have people. Do you know what it is to be wounded, to be slandered, to be cheated on? Maybe you had a close friend who stabbed you in the back or a husband who humiliated you at a dinner party or a mother who told you that she wished You'd never been born. Have you had a coworker who lied at the office about you or a blogger who has bullied you? They say that half of teens are cyberbullied every week. What do you do when people put trash in your baskets? See, this prayer is really about how do you handle the past? 
When they put trash in your basket, do you carry it around? Do you hold on to that trash? Our prayer coach teaches us another way. That every day we have the opportunity in prayer to take out the trash and be free of the past. And that's what I want to talk to you about for these next few moments. I want to talk to you about emptying the trash. Emptying the trash. You know, there's a, a, a word that's the biggest little word. Well, you could say it's the biggest little word that you'll ever discover. Now, there's all kinds of reasons, good reasons, for emptying the trash. I saw one, one uh, study that was published recently in the Washington Post, and it was a study about your sleep. And so I was interested because, you know, sleeps, I don't get as much as I need to. So I, I looked at that study, and here's what they found. They, they got almost 1,500 people to cooperate with the study, and they asked them, do they have an easy time forgiving themselves or forgiving others? And then they asked those same people about the last 30 days, their sleep patterns in those 30 days. And this is what the researchers found. They said that the results suggest of that study that people who were more forgiving were more likely to sleep better and longer than in turn and in turn have better physical health. Let me read that again. The results suggest people who are more forgiving were more likely to sleep better and for longer and in turn have better physical health. That when you learn to take out the trash, well, you, that's even better for your sleep than my pillow. Can somebody say amen to that? But, but the most important reason to me, the most compelling reason to pray that part of the prayer is found in this tiny little word. It's a little word. It's only a little word. But this little word Augustine said can be the most comforting word or the most terrifying word. It only has two letters. The word is as. But when you take those two letters and you drop it into the middle of the prayer, it becomes huge. When we say forgive us our sins as... We forgive those who sin against us. You're asking God to treat your sin in the way that you're treating the sins of others. So if I am trying, with the help of my prayer coach, to show people mercy and grace and forgiveness, then God is going to treat me that way. But if I'm showing people no mercy, no grace, no forgiveness, God is going to treat me that way. In fact, Jesus, just to make sure we don't miss it, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, he circles back around to this line just to drive this point home. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 6, 14. 
and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow. So the way I receive forgiveness is the based on the way that I give forgiveness. I can get grace as long as I give grace. And I don't know about you, but I need grace. I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I've needed it in the past. I need it in the present. And I'm going to need forgiveness in the future. I am. And the good news is I can have all I need. I will run out of sin before God runs out of grace. Let me say that one again. I will run out of sin before God runs out of grace. Amen. I can have all that I need as long as I'm willing to give what I need. But if I don't, is there anything that messes up a relationship or a fellowship, my fellowship, my connectionship with God more than unforgiveness? Boy, when I'm holding resentment, bitterness, and hostility in my heart towards someone, it just messes up that connection. It messes up the fellowship. I'm still in relationship with God. I'm still God's child. You remember how we started the prayer. We started by praying our Father. So we are still connected to God relationally. But that fellowship part that we have with God, boy, there's something that gets greatly disrupted and God seems distant. And why in the world would I let anybody else and what they do mess up my relationship with God? And that's why Jesus tells us to practice this part of the prayer. When we empty out the trash, we can keep that connection we have with God strong. We can have all that we need as long as we give what we need. Can we give God praise? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Really, Jesus is teaching us about a new economy. It's called the economy of grace. The economy of grace. Say that with me. The economy of grace. Peter once came to Jesus and he asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, I think he was trying to score points with Jesus. He says, Jesus, when somebody puts trash in my basket, how often should I forgive them? Should I forgive them seven times? Now, I think he was trying to score points because the religious teachers of that day thought, taught that three times was the max. If somebody put trash in your basket once, you forgave them. Twice, you forgave them. But three times, and you're out. So what Peter does, trying to score points, he takes the three and he doubles it, and then he adds one more to it, 
and he comes up with God's perfect number, and he says, Jesus, look at how forgiving I am. I will forgive them seven times. And then Jesus turns his math upside down. And instead, Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times seven. There's a new economy. It's called the economy of grace. A new kind of math, Peter, where grace and mercy, it becomes such a part of your nature and your character. It's no longer what you do, it's who you are. You live by the economy of grace. And then he gives Peter a picture. Jesus was such a great storyteller. He knows how to really make a point. He gives him a picture of a man who owed a king a lot of money. It was so much money, the guy could not pay it off. In 10 lifetimes, he couldn't pay it off. And so back in that day, when debts were called in, they would take your whole family and throw you in prison because of your debt. And so his debt was being called in, and he and his family are about to be thrown into prison. And he falls on his knees, and he begs for mercy. And he says, king, if you'll just give me some time, I'll take out another loan. I'll refinance. Give me a little time, and I can make this happen. Now, the king knows there's no way this guy can make payments for the rest of his life. He's not going to touch the debt that he owes me. But the king is moved with compassion, and he exercises mercy. And he lets his family go free, and he cancels the debt. Are you kidding me? He cancels this large debt. Imagine if you got a phone call today that your credit cards were all paid off. Can somebody say amen? Imagine today you got a phone call that all your student debts have been paid off. Amen. Imagine today somebody called you and said, you're not going to have to pay your mortgage anymore here in California. Can somebody say hallelujah? It's crazy. Imagine how that would make you feel. And then the story takes another crazy twist with this guy who had just received You know, it's the debtor's lottery he hit. He just received so much mercy. He's out and around, and he finds a guy who owes him lunch money. And he goes over to this guy, and he grabs him by the throat. The Bible says that he starts choking him. He puts him in a sleeper hole. Where's my money, man? And the guy begs for mercy. Give me a little more time, and I'll... I don't have it on me now, but I'll pay you back that lunch money. And he says, no way. You don't have it now. You're going to jail. Sends the guy to jail. And then the king hears about what's happened, and he's ticked. And he calls the guy in, and he says, you just don't get it. 
you don't get this economy of grace. See, the economy of grace gives you what you don't deserve. But you're still operating under the economy of vengeance. And so now you're going to get what you deserve. And he sends the man off to prison. And Jesus says this at the end of that story. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The end of the story, everybody ends up in prison. Now, I look at that guy, and I say to myself, I look at that story, how can a guy do that? That's crazy. And then the story looks at me. It's one thing to look at the story. <laughs> but then the story looks at me, and I recognize that there's something in me there really is. There's something in me that I want mercy, but I want you to get justice. See, I, I want mercy. God, you know I need mercy, but them, they need justice. And then everybody ends up locked up under the economy of vengeance. You know, I, I saw one minion, he said this. He said, never go to bed angry. Stay awake and plot revenge. Revenge. I'll get you back. You owe me. Instead, though, when we begin to move toward an economy of grace, that is how you get out of prison. Maybe this weekend you're in the prison. You're imprisoned by your bitterness, your hostility, your resentment. It's keeping you chained to the past. You're still chained to that person. You're still, you're still chained to that pain because time does not heal all wounds. Jesus heals all wounds. And the way he does it is through forgiveness. And you hold the key. Isn't that something? When I'm in jail, I hold the key. I can unlock the door and walk out a free man. When I step out of the economy of vengeance and into the economy of grace, that is the way we can all get free. How many want to be free this weekend? Amen. Hallelujah. Is there some trash you need to take care of today? That brings us to what, well, the last thing I want to talk to you about is, is living under the shadow. This is really important because we know how hard it is. We really do. Man, I hear stories every week and in my own life. I know that forgiveness can be very tough. It can. And if I live under the shadow of my hurt... Forgiveness is impossible. But if I live under the shadow of the cross, my prayer coach leads the way. He shows me how. 
because Jesus was the one innocent person that walked this planet. And look at what happened to him. The best government of that day and the best religion of that day, they did their very worst. It was the worst moment in human history. The Son of God shows up on the earth and they take him and they do their very worst. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They nail his hands to a cross. They put a spear into his side. They taunt him. They ridicule him. It was the worst moment in human history. But when the world was at its worst, Jesus was at his best. And in the midst of all of that evil, pure evil, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did not strike back. What they were doing was evil, pure evil. But even on the cross, Jesus extends mercy. He extends grace. He extends forgiveness, even on the cross, he does not strike back. And it takes strength, it does, to not strike back. The Bible says about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus didn't give them a pass. He gave them to God. And there's a difference. See, when I forgive, I don't give you what you gave me. I give you what God gave me. And when I forgive, I don't give them a pass. I give them to God. And I trust God enough that at the end of the day, God will make things right. Again, I need the prayer coach to help me because when somebody strikes me, I want to strike them back. When I'm in Costco and someone cuts me off in line, I want to hit them with a roll of toilet paper, right? All the chaos at Costco. But here, it takes strength to strike, not to strike back. I made a mistake. Jesus does strike back. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. He does strike back. He strikes back hard with love. When they strike him, love comes back. How strong do you have to be to do that? St. Augustine said, many have learned to offer the other cheek, but do not know how to love him by whom they were struck. When we are wronged, we trust God enough, we don't give them a pass, we give them to God, 
And then we strike back with grace and strike back with mercy and strike back with love. And that is how we keep the basket clean. That's how we do it. We strike back with love. That Chris Pratt's wife, her name is Catherine Schwarzenegger Pratt, and she's written this book, The Gift of Forgiveness, and she's been doing lots of interviews on the different stations, and she said something in one interview as they were talking about the book. I wanted you to hear it, and after that, I want you to pray with me so that we can leave here free this weekend. Biggest um, common denominator throughout all of the interviews in this book is really that forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. It's yes. not about another person. And I think that's something that we grow up thinking, or at least I did, is that you have to wait for someone to ask for forgiveness in order to start your journey. And the reality is that it's about you taking your power back and you wanting to decide that while you may have experienced hurt and pain and trauma in your life, you don't want that to be a part of your life moving forward. If they can forgive, so can I. Forgive us our trash as we forgive those who have put trash in our baskets. Let me ask you a question. Today, do you need to take out some trash? Well, I've got some of my own trash in this. I have sin that needs to be forgiven. Or have others hurt you or wounded you? And boy, you're carrying around their stuff too. Today can be the day that you take out the trash. Start of a new day for you. I want to pray with you and for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I pray this prayer. We pray it together. Forgive us our sins. God, we need forgiveness. And we bring our trash to you, all of the things that we've done, things that we've left undone. God, we bring every sin to you and we ask for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your amazing grace and mercy. You have done so much for us. And God, we also bring our hurts and our wounds and the pain of the past. And we turn that over to you. And we give grace to those who have wronged us. We leave them in your hands, knowing at the end of the day, you are the one who makes things right. We want to live free. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory. Jesus, you're our prayer coach. Help us. We need help with this line. But by your grace and your strength, it can happen. It really can. We believe it. We declare it. All God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. I want you to see we're getting rid of all that trash. Is there any more? Oh, all right. Look at that. Amen. It feels good to be clean. Amen. Amen. Oh, Pastor Vaughn and the team are going to lead us in this great song about the goodness of God's forgiveness.
I'm on my knees again. God, I'm begging, please, again, I need you. Oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water for I'm a thirsty soul, I need you. Oh, I need you. We sing together, come on. I want to know about being born again. I need you. Oh, I need you. So take me to the riverside. Take me under baptized. I need you, yeah. Oh, I need you. Hey. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that really makes me want to change. Oh. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Oh. I don't want to abuse your grace.
it feels good to be clean. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to invite our team that's here, our pastoral staff and families and friends. We'd like to speak a blessing over you. I want you to know how much I love you and care about you and praying God's protection and blessing over you during this time. I want to encourage you, as you heard earlier in the service, exercise wisdom, but walk in faith. Be strong and courageous. We serve a mighty God. Amen? We don't walk by our fears. We walk by our faith. We want to speak a blessing over you. We're here for you. Call the church office. If there's anything you need, we're here to serve you. And we hope to see you next week. Online. Bring some friends together. We have a watch party on Facebook. Let's pray that this will be the greatest hour for the church in the Bay Area. Amen? that Jesus would be exalted and his name would be lifted up. Let's speak God's blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And we pray this in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, Cathedral. Have an amazing week.
No greater love has no man than he give his life for a friend.
next few moments we're going to worship and remember about the power of the cross and what that resurrection means to every single one of us and one thing that brings comfort to all of us is that God is alive and anything that is dead in our lives he can breathe life because he is the same yesterday today and forever so know that your God is with you and that he has overcome